With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. As you can tell, I am not Cade Webb. This is Dustin Ragusa. Cade got a little held up with uh, finals week. We all know how that can be. And we were going to record tonight. It was the only night we could record this week. And Cade last minute had to cancel. So bringing a buddy of mine on who lives in OKC, a uh, longtime friend, Alex Fuller. Alex, how's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm a longtime listener, first time podcaster, so <laughs> no qualifications at all. I'll probably put this on my resume, though, and we'll just see how it goes. Maybe terrible, maybe good. <laughs> hey, uh, hopefully, hopefully good. But Alex is a, like I said, longtime friend of mine, lives in the city, huge Oklahoma State fan. We went to school there at the same time. So, Thought he'd be good to have on, get a get a take from just a an average, you know, just idiot fan, not a media member like myself. So super average, very <laughs> idiot. So uh, we're gonna get through. We're gonna do the normal rundown like Cade and I do. Cade will be back next week. Um, we'll go ahead and start with the top three. We're gonna do the next two. We've got Brian Metcalf and Brian. I still need to send you your shirt. Sorry about that. I'll get with you on Twitter for his top three. He submitted. Um, which was Christmas movies, so a little little teaser there. We're going to be doing that. Kate and I will be doing that next week. But Alex and I are going to go ahead and do top three Christmas presents we've ever received. Uh, Alex came up with this before the pod. Thought it would be pretty funny, pretty good one to do. So uh, we'll start off. Alex, give me your number three all time. Yeah, I- I'm excited about this top three <laughs> just because I know my top three, and it's it's good, and it's also just kind of ridiculous the stories behind it but my number three ping pong table how old were you probably maybe third grade fourth grade everyone loves a ping pong table that's an awesome present for a third grader <laughs> but the best story behind this present is that my dad had to put this ping pong table together <laughs> and so me and my sister we woke up in the middle of the night he was like hammering and drilling and sawing at like 3 a.m. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. <laughs> Th- 3 a.m. So we, we wake up and we're like, what's going on? And we start like sneaking out to our living room and we, we catch a glimpse of my dad. And then my mom bolts out and then pulls us back. And we're like, what? it's Christmas Eve. What's going on? What's dad doing out there? And she's like, dad's helping Santa. And so... No idea what was going on. Completely, yeah, of course Dad's helping Santa. Dad's pretty cool. Santa's awesome, so why wouldn't he be? And woke up the next morning as a ping pong table. But after the fact is where it really got hairy, and I'm pretty sure I told all my classmates that my dad and Santa are boys. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, I don't know, they make presents together. So ping pong table was awesome, but the story was even better. Nerd alert, dude. Believing in Santa. But whatever, whatever. No, that's a great story. We got a ping pong table, but I think I know I was a little bit older because it was Ryan's present. So, so but, you weren't believing in Santa when no, the ping pong no, table no, came no, out. No, I definitely didn't think my dad and Santa were boys by any means. But okay, my number three. It's kind of just a general one, not really any specific, but. I'm huge, as you know, and Cade knows, and if you listen to this podcast, I've probably talked about it a million times, but I'm huge into jerseys. So just every Christmas, whether it be Deion Sanders, Dallas Cowboys, whatever team Shaq was on that year, uh, Work Done, who we'll probably talk about here in a minute with one of my later <laughs> stories, Penny Hardaway, you know, I just a big jersey guy, so that's uh, that's probably my number three there. So I'll get back to you for number two. Number two, I have a Lego Night Castle. <laughs> and not just any Lego Night Castle. This was a 5,000, 6,000 piece Lego Night Castle. What is a Night Castle? 
just like a not like a medieval knight castle. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I got so you. a huge a huge deal, and my poor dad, he had to put this thing together too. <laughs> and he's, Santa's boy, yeah, Santa's boy, Santa's helper. He told me later on that he was up to like four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> doing this five thousand piece knight castle. That he didn't just buy me and put the box out there. He put the whole thing together. So I came out there, and I was real young, too, on this one. And he had, like, an hour and 30 minutes of sleep. <laughs> and I was super excited. He said it went well. He was like, man, this is, this is worth it. Like, I'm glad I did this for my, my awesome son. He said the next day I just destroyed it. <laughs> just smashed it all. So is there no fun, though, in you and your dad actually putting it together? No, zero. <laughs> it, it got to the point where I smashed it. We built it, and I smashed it so many times to where he started to super glue the pieces together because he was getting so angry he was like I just want to see this thing last for a couple days because I mean it was a 5,000 he was proud of his work have you read the Lego instructions lately I I have not tried to put a Lego together since I was little I bought one for my cousin and it was a pretty simple I want to say like transformer Lego and I was lost (laughs) You know, you have the pages, yeah, and it's like page four. <laughs> you're you're putting these pieces together, and I was I was already pretty it's lost. It's too many instructions. Like they should show a diagram where you're putting multiple pieces together at once. And I feel like you're it's a bra- piece at a time. Yeah, and your brain too has to be a certain size, <laughs> and you have to know the Legos. Yeah, because I remember back then I was like, Dad, you idiot! Like it's <laughs> this little, you know, hinge deal. Connected to this deal. You can't go in just like blank mind. No no Lego brain at all. You have to yeah. go in there and know your Legos. You have to. I mean, your brain has to be a Lego. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my poor dad, again, I mean, it was an awesome present. I'll never forget it. But what I won't forget even more is just how mad he would get every time. <laughs> and I would just bust it out like the Gorilla Super Glue. Sounds like your dad... I, I know Doug doesn't. Doug Fuller doesn't listen to this podcast, but no. shout out to him for being a, a class act dad, an A plus dad in my book. Yeah, he's an OU graduate, an OU fan, so not a great person. But <laughs> it, I mean, after the stories, I know now after the fact, it sounds like he had so many miserable Christmas eves. Gosh, man, not looking forward to that in the future. Don't have kids. <laughs> hey, problem solved. <laughs> That's some solid advice there, possibly. But I'll go on to my number two. Probably one of the coolest things ever. So, as all of you know that listen to this, I grew up in Baton Rouge. Big LSU fan. My parents went to school there. A bunch of my relatives. In the 90s, they weren't very good, if you remember. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't a huge LSU fan, much to uh, my dad's dismay, because I wanted to root for a team that was good. Well, who was good? Florida State was on TV all the time. Florida State, Florida were always good, always on TV. Work done from Baton Rouge, went to school there. He went to Catholic High. We would go watch them play on Friday nights. So I was just all about Florida State. When they, Chris Winkie, Peter Warwick, all those guys. So my dad knew, even though he hated Florida State, how big of a fan I was. So when they played Ohio State in the Sugar Bowls after the 97 season, it would have been 1998 when the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day or whatever, they, he got me tickets to drive to New Orleans, go to see the game in the Superdome against Ohio State. Drove me down there, we tailgated, we went to the game. Literally, I I don't think my dad had, looking back on it now, had any fun at all. I mean, besides the fact that he was just watching football. But, um, you know, that Florida State team with Travis Miner, Peter Warwick, Lavernius Coles, Samari Roll, Sebastian Janikowski kicking Ooh. the field goals. Good kicker. But... <laughs> But yeah, it was just awesome that my dad would do that for me, and you know, it was a really cool, uh, really cool experience because they were my favorite team growing up. Even though we went, we had season tickets for LSU and went to all the LSU games, but it's a huge Florida State fan, so that was pretty cool. It was the first bowl game I went to because I don't think LSU went to one that was worth the trip in the '90s. I know they made a couple Independence Bowl trips, but we weren't, we didn't make it to Shreveport. So, how old were you for I this think game? I was eleven. Do you remember, like, walking down Bourbon Street? So, I don't think we were really tailgating, like, in the French Quarter. I think it was more, like, outside around the Superdome area. I don't know if I was, like, catching beads on on Bourbon (laughs) at 11. But 
Who knows? I mean, maybe I could have been. No, because I know your dad, and I <laughs> and I've seen your dad miserable too, and he likes his booze, and I can just see him with the the big ass beers. <laughs> What are those, like, 52-ounce plastic cups? Just walking down bourbon with 11-year-old me, 10-year-old Yeah, 11-year-old you just holding your hand and just being like, I don't like either of these teams, <laughs> but I'm going to drink this big-ass beer yeah, I, and survive. I'm pretty sure he had his fair share of beers that day. But, okay, now it's time for your number one. Is your dad making an appearance on this one? <laughs> no. No dad. Just you and Santa on this one? Just me and Santa, Mr. Claus. <laughs> I mean, this one was so easy to remember and come up with. 1996, in 64, Star Fox game. I knew you were going to do it. The, the easiest. And I made up for all the troubles I put my dad through. Because I literally remember coming out, and of course it was Santa... So Santa didn't wrap the presents in our house. Yeah, Santa, same at ours. Just yeah. laid them out. Just laid yeah. them out. Your, so. you know, your your aunt Janny or whatever. She wrapped the present, or the present was wrapped. It was under the tree. Santa just laid out. So I literally remember coming out, being in shock. Sixty four, just took it, went back to my room. <laughs> I don't think I opened up my other presents until January. <laughs> I literally just went in a cave. And played Star Fox for hours. Here, I, I think everyone got 64 that Christmas. I, it just... That was the best present of all time. It was going to be my number one, but I had a strong feeling you were going to make it your number one, so I went in a different direction. But, yeah, who needed another gift that year? Besides some more games. <laughs> who needed another gift for 20 more years? <laughs> just give me... As long as you got me all four controllers and five or six games with it. I'm I'm still playing 64. So literally that 64. We literally I mean, played it last weekend at your house. Yeah, I could have not left my room forever, <laughs> just with that 64 and just mail me games and slide them under my door, and I'd have been, I'd have been good. But I just remember I was in shock because I didn't think it was happening. I think my parents did the whole deal. Were like, well, you know, I, I don't know if Santa is gonna gonna bring that, and so I just saw it sitting there, and yeah, it was just uh, tons of emotion grab it, take it back to the room, and all right, well, I'll see you in 1997. Yeah, I think my, I think when my, not my youngest brother, but my middle brother, Colin, when we saw the 64, I think we both started scream crying, high-fiving at the same time. Just, yeah, I don't even know if we knew how to control our emotions. Also, one thing that I don't know if I'll be able to handle this as a parent, I might just have to say <laughs> something, because... Well, it was 96, we'd still be seven, eight years old. Yeah. I just thought Santa was like, you know, it was the man. Like, <laughs> how could he make this happen? If I was a parent and I bought my kids something that awesome, I'd yeah, be like... Yeah, I want the credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> this was all me. This hey, was my money. Hey, look, that wasn't Santa. Yeah. Actually, that was me. <laughs> now that I see how happy you are... Yeah. What, what I might do if I'm a dad is just all like the average gifts... Like the socks and like school pants or whatever. Those are from Santa. I'll leave him out of Santa's Santa's <laughs> gifts, and I'll just wrap the ones and put Dad on them. That like the sixty four. This PlayStation twenty. That's from yeah. That's from Papa. <laughs> the PlayStation twenty from Dad. You're welcome. Okay, we spent a lot of time on the top three. I'll give my number one real quick. I knew you're gonna do sixty four. I knew we'd both have some hot takes for the sixty four. So. Mine is actually, I think it was the year before that Florida State game, so I had two pretty nice Christmases back-to-back, but we went to Disney with the whole family. I'd never been um, pretty cool for a 10-year-old kid. I think I was just tall enough to ride like almost all the rides at 10, so I had way more fun than both my younger brothers because they were both shorter, not able to ride the rides. Ryan was, my youngest brother was only like three or four years old, but Disney was cool. Haven't been back since. Don't know if I want to go back again, but for a 10-year-old, it was pretty fun. So I think that was my number one. Favorite ride? I think it was the Tower of Terror. Yeah. We did that over and over and over. But they didn't have they didn't have like the rock and roller coaster and like all that stuff that they have now. So Tower of Terror, that was the go-to. I was probably the same age when I went to Disney. Same favorite ride. Yeah, I mean that in Space Mountain. Was oh that one? yeah, 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 Space Mountain was good. Space Mountain we was were, good. We were like inside. 
dark roller coaster. Yeah. yeah, too bad OSU wasn't playing in the world camping <laughs> tent bowl that year. Could have could have gone to Disney yeah. and seen a football game. Okay, so nice little segue there for a novice podcaster. But we're gonna move on to the uh, one big thing. Uh, Kate and I sk- have been skipping it recently because there's been football and basketball, so we've just been talking uh, both instead of doing a one big thing. But one big thing this week. Really just going to talk about all the awards, uh, just kind of list them off, you know, just awesome to see these guys. James Washington, Oklahoma State's ninth unanimous All-American. Um, Alex and I were looking up the others, so <laughs> I'll just run them off for you. We got James this year, Blackman did it twice, Russell Okung, Alonzo, Barry, Hartley, Leslie O'Neill, Terry Miller, and then Bob Finnemore did it twice. And we were surprised to see Dez was consensus, meaning he made three of the All-American teams, but he didn't make all of them because the FWAA decided to put Jarrett Dillard from Rice on their All-American team over Dez that year. Thoughts on Jarrett Dillard from Rice, who's not in the league, obviously, anymore. I don't even think he ever really made a team. I don't think he's a real person. (laughs) When you when you told me that that fact about Jarrett Dillard, and I mean, has Rice had a winning record? I I don't even remember. So that was Conference USA. I don't even remember. Like, how could he have had a better season than Dez and us not know who he was? That like that wasn't that long ago. What Rice quarterback could even I, throw the ball to him? I literally have no idea. I I feel like that year. And I don't know how this would work out, the logistics, but I feel like that year, Dez probably had more receiving yards than the Rice quarterback had passing yards. <laughs> and that's, that's not even being fun. That's like... No, that's probably true. We're talking Rice football. It and sucks, because James would have been number 10 if and Dez all, would have got that. Yeah. And all due respect to Rice, they're smart, right? It's a smart school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So, well, I hate Jared Dillard now. So, <laughs> so I ever see him. And, and Jared... Jared yeah. If people think you're saying Jared, it's Jared with two T's. Two T's. Two R's. And two L's in his last name. That's two, two minis. I, I hate him. Anyway, back to back to the list. ESPN All Big 12 had James, Brad Lundblade at center, Justice Hill at running back. Mason Rudolph won the Johnny Unitas Award, which Baker Mayfield was up for. And it's for the top quarterback, but it also takes into account character. Which Baker Mayfield doesn't have much. <laughs> so yeah, I completely agree with that <laughs> that uh, that award. Um, I did see someone on Twitter. I don't know if it was the John Unitas one, but someone just said, "AKA the uh, Landry Jones Award," because <laughs> I think Landry won this like seven times. I could see Land. They should just call it the Landry Jones Award. I'm pretty sure it's going to be renamed that. And I don't even remember him ever talking. Yeah, you. no, he was a robot that longboarded. <laughs> that was a fact. Nothing like a longboarding robot, dude. That also plays quarterback. <laughs> that threw for 400 yards a game. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Rudolph, AP All America third team behind Baker and Lamar Jackson. So he was up. He was on there with James, who was first team. Uh, Rudolph Aitman in Washington just announced today, actually, that Rudolph is going to be playing in it. But Aitman in Washington announced a few days ago they're all going to be playing the Reese Senior Bowl. On January 27th, so that's pretty cool. I feel like, you know, that one's cool because that's the one where they're wearing the Senior Bowl jerseys, but they wear their own helmet and get the different decals on there. And I feel like you don't see a lot of Oklahoma State in that game. I normally end up watching that game for some reason. Oh, it's terrible. I, I don't know why. I guess not anything's going on January 27th weekend. And it's like Saturday at 9.30 a.m. it yeah. feels like. Isn't it, I want to say, is it Alabama? Yeah, Mobile. Mobile, yeah. Yeah. And is it I think it's blue and red jerseys. I know there's a red one. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool. Uh all three of them are gonna be in that. Maybe see a little a little more Rudolph to Washington. Maybe I'd one like more that. touchdown. I mean it's a big time like bowl game for NFL personnel and scouts to go there. I think yeah, like every scout's there. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad Rudolph I, I think Rudolph was a little iffy about playing in it, but uh, he's going to be there. So, And then lastly, you know, Rudolph finished seventh in Heisman voting. He got a couple first-place votes. Would love to know who those were from. but <laughs> I, I have to know. I have Would to love know. to know one day who those are from. But, yeah, pretty cool to see all these guys. Obviously, James is on any 
team that you can think out there, any kind of all Big 12 team, James is on there. So it's pretty cool. Um, any last thoughts before we move on? I have to ask you, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, James Washington, where does he rank now that it's almost all over favorite players in OSU history? Man, he's he's up. He's got to be up in the top five. I mean, Whedon, obviously Barry, Dez. Even even though everything that happened with Dez, he wasn't there that long. Just man, those deep balls that used to just go up to him, and he could just get it over anybody. Oh, yeah. Like like I he remember. could do her. I mean, not saying not not switching this to a is Dez on a downward spiral in his Cowboys career, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys career, because that's a different combo, but. Just, you know, that athletic ability that he's even shown in the pros, like, just to go up on anybody and make a catch. But, yeah, James has got to be up there. Is also Poe guy in your top five? Awful slow guy. He's, <laughs> I think he's in everyone's top five. A great football name. Just, I mean, every every OSU fan remembers him, of course. But every OU fan remembers also Poe guy. Just for the awful slow guy nickname that just will never leave him. But I think... Uh, James Washington, he has to be in my top three. And there was a moment, my favorite James Washington moment. It was no catch, no touchdown, no ridiculous James Washington blowing by someone for an, an easy, you know, 40-yard touchdown catch. Was West Virginia, I want to say third quarter, maybe beginning of fourth is when, and you never see him do this on the, do this on the sideline, is oh, when yeah, yeah. he just ripped Mason a new one. And I think after that, the stat was he got 10 balls thrown his way, targets, and had seven receptions. And I just, this is so cheesy, but I feel like James just, he loves OSU. Yeah. And cares about OSU. I mean, the fact that he even stayed for his senior year. Yeah. And he's playing in this bowl game that. And you saw what he said about about that. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't even a question. Yeah. It's like disloyalty. To not play in a game like that. That's just cool to see. And, you know, Gundy loves him. You've heard the quote many a time, never says a word. Which, when Gundy says that, he's talking about never says a word, like, you know, out of line. Yeah. He's a leader. You can tell he's a leader. From from what you're talking about, that clip that we saw on Twitter, and that you could see during the game. And just, in general, you can tell he's a leader out there with the other wide receivers. Heard the story about... How Casey Dunn would kind of let him run the drills, the drills, yeah, yeah, and he wouldn't quit until not only everyone got it perfect, but he got it perfect, and he would never slack. Like if he was the guy that messed up, he wouldn't finish the drill. He would keep going until he got it perfect, even if everybody else had already finished. So it's just cool. Gonna miss him a lot. I think. I think with all the criticism, and we'll talk about this because we're gonna move into thoughts on the season. So we'll just. This is our next segment, Thoughts on the Season. We'll just go ahead and get into it. But I think with all the criticism and kind of the disappointing, disappointing, if you will, season, that people overlook just how much we're going to miss Mason Rudolph and James Washington because the team might have not have met expectations and Mason had some tough times this season. James had the little injury thing going on to where it kind of nixed his production in a couple games. But... Man, we are going to really miss these guys, especially next year when we have no idea who's going to play quarterback. And with Spencer Sanders not enrolling early, it's probably going to be Jelani, Corndog, Awoodti. So I I just think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're just going to miss them a lot. I just want to get that out there. Okay, so we're going to move on to thoughts on the season. I'm going to shoot some questions at Alex, and then we're just going to kind of discuss from there. The first one that Cade and I have talked about on here, but just want to get a different opinion on here is, to you, was this season, bowl game win or loss, was this season a disappointment? It's so hard to even imagine this, that Oklahoma State football was a favorite in every single game. Yeah. Vegas. Who I'm very familiar with Vegas. They've taken a lot of my money, <laughs> they're, and they're not nice about it. And they know a lot, yeah. and they're normally right. We were a favorite in every single game. That's Alabama status, OU status. It really is crazy. I... A favorite. Has that ever happened in Oklahoma State history? There's no way. I mean, that'd be probably 
pretty difficult to look up, but uh, <laughs> there's no way. It's so crazy. And then you saw the po- like 96% of the bets are in Oklahoma State's favor in this bowl game. <laughs> I'm Which not, isn't a good sign. I'm not betting probably. that game. <laughs> I'm not betting that game with my heart or my head. But, yeah, to be a favorite every game and then to lose three, of course, it's a, a disappointment. And I'm one of these people, I feel like I'm a pretty realistic OSU fan. But going into the season, I was saying this is our year. Yeah. I was that guy. I, we were in the same group message. I was I was exclamating, exclamation pointing all your texts. <laughs> yeah, you had my back. I, I really thought this was the year. And I, and I just thought, I think in, as far as disappointment goes, and I hate saying this because I was a huge Mason fan, huge supporter, also a huge apologist for Mason. But I thought he was going to take that jump mm-hmm. this year. And trust me, he is a awesome college quarterback. Really, really good. You watch other college quarterbacks and you see throws they make, and it's almost like you don't even know what you're watching. Yeah. Because you're used to Mason or watching Baker or some, you know, Big 12 quarterback make that throw. And you watch these other quarterbacks, it's not even close. But some of those Big 10 quarterbacks. It was, I mean, make your eyes bleed. It was bad. But. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't. I thought he was just going to be so elite this year, and just if we had, even had trouble with the team, because I mean, I thought we were going twelve and zero, yeah, or thirteen and zero, maybe twelve and one, maybe twelve and one. But anytime we got in a tough spot, Mason would just make the play. Yeah. So that another great segue by you. That was my next bullet point. Just Rudolph. Not so much career wise, which we can talk about that. You know. That's that's a topic that you could spend a whole podcast in where he ranks in OU, OSU quarterback history, you know, with Whedon, Zach, you know, everybody like Gundy. But just this season in general, what what do you think – what did you see from him this year that you thought he improved on maybe from his career, uh, the first couple of years of his career? And what, what do you still think is going to be a problem for him in the NFL? I thought and – it, and it's hard to tell. Of course, we're no college scouts. NFL scouts, so what What do we know? But right. I, I still thought, I just thought his pocket presence, it, it was there at times, but whenever you watch, I, I hate bringing it back to Baker because you know, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not friends. And I'm going to be out in Pasadena for New Year's and I might, you know, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Georgia and I, I don't know, <laughs> I might try to affect the game just so OU loses, but I just thought you, you see some of these guys and make these progressions. I just felt like his progressions weren't as quick and his pocket presence wasn't – I mean, it was good for a college quarterback, but it didn't elevate to the level that I thought it was going yeah. through this year. I mean, I thought, you know, he's been there, what, he played two full seasons and a couple of games, the end of his freshman season and his senior season, it was going to be off the charts. I mean, that that was my biggest disappointment Yeah, in, in him. And I saw, talking about Mayfield again, I saw a video, one of the guys I follow that does uh, some draft scouting, showing Baker just so poised in the pocket and going through four different reads and then making the touchdown pass to his outlet, which was the running back, who was kind of wheel route after he veered out to the left in the little flare, brought it upfield, hit him, threw a dime, and, you know, it felt like Mason would just either lock on or get through his progression and make the wrong read a lot of the times. And a lot of the times the guy he locked on to was open because Aitman and Washington were running great routes. Yeah, I was going to say, or it was Marcel <laughs> Aitman and it was James Washington. And even if they weren't that open, you throw it up to him. And and he throws a good ball. He's got, he's got a good arm. He's got great size. So when you got receivers that can run good routes, he can make the play. But... I think he's got to work on that. I did like his mobility in the pocket this year. I thought he was able to kind of, at times he even held on to it too long, I think. But the way he was able to move around in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield, not always 100% sure where he was looking, talking about the reads, but how he's able to keep the play going, I, I didn't really, I don't think I saw that a lot from him in the first two full seasons. But that looked good. But overall, great career for my dude Rudolph. I, I think he's got a shot to be good in the NFL. I think there's guys in the NFL who can correct or enhance his skills and correct what he's been doing wrong. And I I just think he's got the size and strength to be 
maybe not an elite NFL quarterback, but I think he'll stick around in the league for a while. Well, I think that's the main thing. I think these NFL guys and a bunch of them are pretty confident in their skills and being able to, hey, we're going to take this guy and we're going to influence him, put him through our training, and he's going to become this guy. Just because, right. I mean, they think they're confident in making a, a player a lot better. But, yeah, it, it's hard to to knock the guy for everything he you Great know, career. He, he accomplished. But there were just, I mean, some moments, too, where it was just like, man, just make that throw. It, it sometimes felt like your sister and Gundy were like, Mason, you have to throw it to this guy. Like, it almost <laughs> looked like that with the way that – because you, you and I would go back and rewatch a lot of the games. Yeah. Because we're hashtag hardos, true fans. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd see it over and over. But all in all, great season for my man Rudolph. Okay, I got a couple more questions for you. These will be probably a little bit quicker. But what unit were you most impressed by this season? When Can we're I... talking O-line, receiver, D-line. and you, you could give an obvious answer, obviously. But who were you most impressed by unit-wise? Yeah, can I just go... <laughs> one human being, Justice Hill. Dude, Just the freak. one the one human. I'm so glad he has to come back for another year. <laughs> has to. <laughs> I'm so glad, dude. He he's an absolute beast. Um and then on the other hand, who are you least impressed by season long? You know, unit wise, I honestly and I told you this beginning of season, I think you said no, I'm an idiot, which happens often, but <laughs> I think I was most worried about the D-line Yeah, going into the season. Because I thought after uh, losing, what's Vince his face? Taylor. Yeah, Vince Taylor. I mean, just a beast in the middle, got drafted. I thought after losing him, I thought this was going to be a horrible defensive line. But Osborne and Darian Daniels and Brailford, I Brailford. mean, those guys played. I mean, way better than I than I thought they would, and I think uh, I, mean, I think Quentin Osborne has a chance to to get drafted, and I, mean, I think there's some some talent there. So, I mean, least impressed by. I don't know. What What are you gonna say? <laughs> I still probably, don't know. I'm probably gonna go with the the safeties in the second half of the year. Because okay, now well now see I would have said if I could have picked the second half of the year. Well, no, yeah, no, 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 no. That's my reasoning. Okay. I'm taking the full year safeties, but I'm saying the reasoning is because the second half of the year, and why is because I went into the year really pumped up about Ramon remo- moving to safety. I thought if the coaches were moving into safety, there had to be a reason. And then Trey Flowers is huge. He's a Seattle Seahawks defensive back. The big. Pete Carroll type that he drafts, the big guy back there at safety. And they looked great against the week non-conference schedule, obviously, and even into the Big 12. And then I don't know if it's because they got tired. Uh, I mean, they had they had some subs back there with Curry and Muyaki. I don't know how it's Tabo. <laughs> uh, they, had some, they had some substitutions back there. They had some guys that they could swap in. But, man, when they lined up on the inside receivers – they got absolutely exposed, Trey and Ramon both. And we know Ramon struggled in coverage his whole career. Yeah. But. I mean, maybe it was a just fatigue thing. Because you got to remember, Baker, Adrian Baker was off the team. Mm-hmm. Clemson transfer. Yeah, defensive backs as a whole, definitely. I mean, they had to play the entire game. I remember the OU game being there and Rodarius, who I thought kept getting better throughout the season. I think him and AJ Green, I think they'll be really good oh, if they yeah. stay their their whole time. I think, you know, they'll be maybe the best cornerback duo in the the conference. But I remember that OU game and Rodarius, I mean, he was just getting beat by three or four yards. Oh. Just play after play. And they finally, you know, they pulled him and put Ramon back at corner for the fourth quarter just because, you know, he was just getting beat so bad. But you, you gotta ask, I mean but that was Ramon's biggest problem at corner. Too much separation. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the fact that they would put him back there, that's how bad of separation Rotarius is obviously giving. But, yeah, that, but all, all in all, I, I, thought, I thought the de- defensive backs played well. I was really worried about the young corners going into the season, and I thought they played well. Like you said, they, they had to have just been getting tired. They – 
uh, Madre Harper dismissed yeah. from the team as well. So you overall lo- disappointing season, but you know. Yeah, you lose some players, and you and I have never played a full college football game at cornerback, <laughs> but I can't imagine after however many games you got to get worn down a little bit. I mean, you're just playing every single snap, oh, especially yeah. in the Big Twelve too. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's a couple passes thrown there. Yeah, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're covering someone every single play, so it, it's hard to say. You know, put it all on them. Most disappointed by uh, or least impressed by, but I mean, I think you know, in the end, you can look at the offensive line, but they were hurt too, and you know, I thought they did a, a decent job patchwork. And yeah, I thought so too. I, you know, I, Lundblade solid, Crabtree solid. Uh, Cochran, your boy Cochran. I thought he started playing well to the second half of the year for sure. Can you uh, imagine if they didn't have him this year? Man, I don't, who would they have played? At? Especially at that, especially at that position at left tackle. Well, they I, would they would have had to put Crabtree there, right? Yeah, and then they would have suffered on the other side. And then, man, my dude Jenkins is a stud. Oh, Topeka, <laughs> he's the man. Topeka, Kansas. I mean, he is a Topeka teepee. That dude is he's he's built like a teepee. Him, like, Cochran, and Crabtree are monsters. Dude, I think what was Jenkins? Was he listed like six eight? I th- yeah, I think him and Cochran are both six eight, and then Crabtree six seven. Didn't he line up and go out for a couple passes? This year? They had him. They had him. So I think you were actually asking me this after the game. They said it on the speaker at the Bedlam game. They said uh, number not whatever. Jenkins, what is he? Seventy three, seventy two. Yeah. He switched to ninety seven. There said ninety seven is an eligible receiver, and I want to say like sixteen plays he was in there with that ninety seven jersey on. So I mean, he could be an eligible receiver. I loved him. What was that one game he started? I can't remember. Maybe maybe Pitt for whenever Crabtree was hurt with his toe. Maybe TCU. But yeah, I mean, one of those two. he was. I mean, we we could do a whole podcast on Jenkins. Yeah, I, I love that guy. I think I think he's. Uh, gonna I'm ready to watch him next season. I think he's gonna have a great career. Okay, last one before we move on. What's your one just big thing for next year? Um, Looking forward to the football season. I'll go. You, you, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go I can ahead. go. I can go first, and yeah. I'll just take the obvious one: quarterback. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit. Do you think is there any way Gundy will let a guy enroll normally? So what does he got? Two months of practice, and then start as a true freshman. Does that sound anything like Gundy would do? Here's if you look back. I hope it is. Just throw them in there. See what happens. I mean, I'm ready for it. I mean, just, I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, just make sure you, you know, have a couple beverages and just go in thinking we'll we'll see what happens with this freshman. If you look at Gundy's history on selecting quarterbacks, he's never selected the right one. No, we and played I, like five one year. Bobby Reed over Zach Robinson, and then I mean Zach Robinson was the right choice, but then it got to the time where Brandon Whedon was sitting on the bench. And you played Zach Robinson. And then Alex Kate. Kate. Tough tough to look at. Uh, look back and see why did we do that. <laughs> and then what was the... Um, so after Whedon, you had... You had the shelf... Shelf Walsh, Walsh. kind of era. But then he was playing those guys over Mason, which yeah. it, it looks like might as well have started Mason yeah. his freshman year. I mean, after watching those last three games he played. You had the Westlant, Dax Garman. Yeah, that, that fiasco. It's like, and I'm not here to say get Gundy out of here. He's the, the worst coach ever. I mean, but there's I mean, there's a there's a history of, like, pick the right quarterback. Well, yours pick the is, best quarterback. Yours is just recruiting him. Let him pick. He's obviously recruiting. He's recruiting guys like Rudolph and Sanders. Why don't you just let him choose who plays, who goes out there? <laughs> You you just have OSU fans yelling right now about hey Yurcich pick pick the quarterback. <laughs> I, I guess I'm fine with that, but there there might be some OSU fans jumping off cliffs. Well, I mean, if Gunny's going to keep picking, yeah, maybe maybe me and you pick. Maybe maybe a Twitter poll. Maybe we just snap into Justice Hill. That's fine. Too. Maybe we just snap into Jenkins. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. This, this year is going to be. I don't think OSU football, unfortunately, is to the point to where you reload. There's no. going to be some rebuilding. Hopefully, Spencer Sanders is the best quarterback ever to walk the planet Earth. 
I remember, I remember we were texting a couple days ago when I said, and just to, you know, full disclosure, I just look at his stats and I've watched five minutes of highlights and I see I see stat lines where it's seven total touchdowns accounted yeah. for and however many, you know, 400 passing yards. And I'm just going, I said, Goose, is this, is this guy good? And you just told me, I don't know. He throws the guys that are open by ten yards. Yeah, the only the only clips I've watched, and you know, there was one longer highlight tape where it was actually showing plays that weren't touchdowns or big plays. The receivers he's throwing to against their just regular season schedule are just wide open. So I can't get a good gauge on it. Not that I'm any kind of big time scout anyway, but he throws a good ball. But it looks like he's throwing, a, I mean, just in practice, because these guys he's throwing to are wide open. But he's obviously super talented. Yeah. He's fast. Yeah. And he's a skilled runner. He's not just fast. He's a good runner. He's shifty. He, yes. he's, got, he's got some moves. Definitely not as fast as backup for OU from a and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Definitely not as fast as him. No, he, I don't think he... I think he's more of a passer than Murray. No. For, just from what I've seen, but we'll see... I, hopefully they make the right decision, but I'd also be fine if we if we go with Cornelius and then kind of work Spencer Sanders in. You know, if if Cornelius isn't up to par, that's fine too. If, if that's the way it's going to go, I just I just think it's going to be a tough season. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you want to pick Cornelius because corn dog? Yeah, I want to call him Corn Dog all the time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I do too. I mean, I'm a yeah, I like Jelani too. and Woodsy. I probably like all three of them the same, but I just want to say Corn Dog. <laughs> I, I love that nickname. <laughs> the only thing I'll say, bold prediction for next year: Spencer Sanders will be better than the end of his career, better than Dax Garman and also Poga. Mm. That's bold. Prediction. I like that. That's a hot take. So I'll write that one down. I'll store it in the archives. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So okay, so that's football. Kate and I'll be back. We're we're gonna preview. Um, we're gonna preview Virginia Tech. We're gonna have some segments for you in the off season where we're gonna grade the different units throughout the season. So we'll hit you with some of that stuff. We'll talk a little recruiting, um, and hopefully Cade's uh, fully uh, acing his finals so uh, he can get back with us next week. So we're gonna move on to basketball now. We'll do a Wichita State recap, and we'll talk a little jerseys, the Curse of Cowboys. So, uh, did you watch the game? Watched about three-fourths of it. Same. I hate to say this on this podcast, but bet on Wichita State, I think they were minus six. And, I mean, it's... It's hard. You you know, here's my thing. Before we, I'm going to go into a little bit of a rant before we get into mm-hmm. this game. You know how much I hated Travis Ford. And, yeah. this, and this was like season two when he still was making the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that 10-year contract took 10 years off your life. Yes, yes, it did. There was times when – and I would cheer against – I would cheer against OSU basketball. <laughs> Literally every single game. It's true. Remember one of our buddies who were in Kansas City? Where I so he would get fired. So he would get saying. fired, and we could get a new coach. And look how you know quickly that turnaround happened with Underwood, because I knew OSU's a good basketball program, <laughs> and we can be better than Travis Ford. We were in Kansas City. We were watching OSU-Iowa State. It was right before the end of, uh, the, end of the end of the regular season, before the Big 12 tournament, and I was openly cheering for Iowa State. <laughs> Not because I bet on them or anything, but I just wanted Travis Ford to go Owen 33 just so we can somehow end this ridiculous extension contract and one of our buddies almost fought me because he was getting so oh, mad yeah. <laughs> and I was and I told him I was like you're just a short-minded simple-minded fool we need to lose every single game because there's no coach in the history of the world that's gone Owen 33 <laughs> and kept his job so it's hard to get me I guess my mindset right to start cheering for OSU Basketball game, which I've slowly and I and I like Boynton. I'm I'm excited, and well, I'm, especially what's happened. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. But this game, I did take Wichita State. I just thought, you know, they have guys who have just been through it. I mean, been through battles. You know, it was at Oklahoma State. It was we calling it the rowdiest arena in America still. <laughs> I don't think so. they did have a good show in nine thousand. Nine thousand. Yeah, I think. That's what I was. I think we were talking about it. I said I was guessing maybe like seven ish. So nine, nine exceeded my expectations. But 
Yeah, no, I hear you on all the Travis Ford talk. I wasn't as much on that. I wasn't. You were probably the conductor of that train, and I probably had a ticket on like the third car. Yeah, I, I would get mad at people on Twitter whenever they would say like, "This he needs to go." You know, year five. I was year two. <laughs> Little, and he made the tournament his first year. I think he made the tournament his second year. Maybe he lost to Georgia Tech the second round, his second year. Yeah. That was what I was just like. And this is my cheesy quote of the night. <laughs> this guy is not a leader of men, <laughs> of young men. This guy is not a leader of young men. This is a six-man uh, haircut, whatever, uh, A-, A to J, the six-man oh, movie. Oh, the movie? Yeah. yeah, with the Wayans brothers? Yeah, this is the point guard for that movie. Like, there is no way this guy is a leader of young men. Like, You need that quality in a coach. I think that's the only quality you need to have, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that was just stuff. But, I mean, back to this game, you know, I've watched three, three and a half, four games OSU basketball this year. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think so, too, especially on the defensive end. But specifically in this game, my pleasant surprise was my boy Big Mitch. Solomon, Shaq Morris, Wichita State, which also – Greg Marshall threw a little wrinkle out there at the beginning of the game, which I didn't catch until I was watching. I was rewatched the first half again last night. Um, not starting Shaq Morris, their leading scorer, which I thought was a little odd. He came in like two minutes into the game, but Mitchell Solomon shut him down. I think he only had like three or four points total. And Solomon played great on the offensive end with 17. They fed him. At the beginning of the second half, they were fed. Openly feeding him was the play call on offense, and he was scoring. He he saw his man. There was one play I put a video up it on Twitter last night. His man thought Averett was cutting back door, dropped into the paint. Solomon caught the ball at the three point line, and you could tell in his eyes he just felt disrespected by his man giving him that much space and drained a three in his face. That's it. He just looked really confident and. He's been the butt of our jokes throughout his career. I, he's a goofy-looking guy, big guy out there, kind of Sean Bradley-looking man out there. But He's gotten better every year. He's gotten better every year, and he's one of Oklahoma State's best players this season, yeah. especially with the way Jeffrey Carroll's playing so far. And you know who loves him? Boynton. I mean, oh, oh Boy- yeah. Boy- Boynton loves him more than my own mother loves me. <laughs> Did you hear what the announcers were saying? Uh, what, when? About Boynton and just like how much he loves Mitchell Solomon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, didn't hear talking about. I mean, they were like, they were going on and on, just elaborating about how there's this connection and how he just holds everything together. And he's just, I mean, he's the greatest thing in OSU basketball program history. Well, he talked about it in the presser after he was saying that if they had to play like two days later or something, he was like, Mitchell probably wouldn't be able to do it because he gave it his all out there tonight. <laughs> I was just like, all right. Dude, he he is a hard worker, and I mean, honestly, it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty scary if he went down. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, what would happen to the team? Because it, it's it's pretty pretty thin back there, pretty bleak. Kassan, he looked good against some of these weaker teams, but we've seen now against A and M and Wichita State, he's not a big minutes guy on a D on a Big Twelve D one basketball team. He can come in and play play some minutes for you. He can play if somebody gets in foul trouble, but he can't be a big minute guy for you. He's just it's it's not the obvious thing. He's got the frail frame. He's just he caught the ball out in the first half on the three point line. I don't know what he was doing out there in the first place. Catches it out there, can't figure out who to pass it to. Ends up just throwing it away. There's still like 20 seconds left on the shot clock. They could have reset. Just looked like he looked like he lost little little duckling out there, and I, I not to just hate on Gasan right now, but I just don't I don't think I don't think you want a guy like that getting minutes. I'm I'm really excited to see Sema, the St. John's transfer, come in. I th- he's eligible to play against Florida State this weekend, but with, with how we've seen Boynton kind of working Dillard and Carroll back in, I don't know if he'll just pop straight back into the lineup, but. The dude's 6'11". He averaged, you know, some solid stats. I think like six or seven points, multiple boards for St. John's. So he's much needed down there to help Mitchell out. And it might even open Mitchell's game out a little bit more. You know, give him a little bit more room in the post if they've got to watch out for Seema too. So, but uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, what's wrong with Jeffrey Carroll? 
And why is he coming off the bench? No. I mean, why, 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 why are you looking at me? <laughs> any idea? The, the only thing I've seen is, I think Boynton said something about messing up the starters continuity. But he put Cam McGriff in the starting rotation, and he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was maybe just working him back into game shape. but Well, I'll say this. I've watched three and a half games. Boynton has watched all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's watched him practice. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. But it is so bizarre, especially after watching last year. Yeah. Especially the, the end of last year when it's like, Jeffrey Carroll, I mean – this guy, this guy could be first, second team Big 12 next year. Well, and, he, you know, he's got the preseason honors and everything up there. It, I I think you maybe want to just throw him in the starting lineup and see if it gets his shooting rhythm back. I looked it up yesterday. He's shooting 20-something percent from three when he was shooting 44% last year. The, the guy's not hitting the shots. Maybe he's out of rhythm. I Put him in there. I, I know one thing is you're missing Jawan Evans and you're missing Phil Forte. Those guys yeah. opened up a lot of space for Jeff Carroll last season. No, no, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we'll we'll see. All I know is when I said I was pleasantly surprised, all of those preseason rankings about us having us dead last. Oh, yeah, that's tenth, not going to happen. Tenth, tenth out of tenth. And I just remember I looked back and thought, I'm pretty sure it was three years ago when TCU was last and went 0-18. And, and I'm just thinking, look, watching this team – there is no, I mean, this OSU team beats the 0-18 TCU team from four years ago by a million points. Oh, yeah. If, if there's no way we finish last, unless people just start getting sniped and we, you know. Yeah, if, if, if we get a bunch of injuries, but everyone on the team is shooting terrible. The whole team yeah. is shooting terrible. And this isn't like something like, oh, man, maybe it's a bad shooting team. No, these guys shot, besides, uh, besides Dizzy who's shooting pretty well this year, was shooting ridiculous early on, kind of came back to the mean a little bit. But it, if these guys even kind of shoot what they were shooting last year, I, I think I think we put some teams away in the Big 12. That Some teams that were definitely favored ahead of us. So Yeah, there's no way we get 10. Yeah, I don't think so. No, and also, too, I mean, side note, Wichita State, shockers, not bad. No. Were yeah. they, they ranked three now? Yeah, they're a good football team. They're a solid, I mean, basketball team. They're a good basketball team. So, do they have a football team? <laughs> <laughs> I could see them. I could see them going pretty far in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, just one last thing on this. Frank Camp, I, you hate him. I, I just want him to go away. No, no, I want him to stay forever. <laughs> Where is he from? Did he? Did he? He played at Kansas. Yeah. He looks like he literally looks like he's from, you know, Sibley, Iowa. Like a, a small town Iowa, and he's just shot on some goal that has no net. I mean, he just has that Iowa form. I mean, he cannot he cannot drive by you at all, but he's going to hit every open. Th- I, I love Frank. Camp. He doesn't turn it over. He's no never. Had, I don't think he's, he hasn't had a turnover in his career. I looked it up. <laughs> if he came out on Sundays to our rec league team, he would just look like one of the guys, and he'd put up eighty. He'd put up eighty points. <laughs> Every game. I can't talk. <laughs> I love Fran Camp. Yeah, he's, I mean, he can play the game. He's been there for too long. If, if, okay. he, if he has five more years left, oh, you need, oh so you need to get him. <laughs> Quick take on the Curse of Cowboy jerseys and shorts. A plus. How can you say anything less? The only thing I'll say about this is whenever, you know, they released him on Twitter, like a little peek, and you all knew, everyone knew that it was right. going to be back to the cursive. No lie. I did have a nightmare one night where I woke up. It was like I woke up after a college full spring break bender. And no, no, no don't laugh because this is serious. And I woke up and it was the OSU cursive jerseys, but it was in the Ed Hardy, like the football uh, the bar, barbed wire, barbed wire on the basketball jerseys. Dude. Literally the scariest thing I've ever woke up to because, I mean, that would have... That would have ended everything for me. If the barbed wire gets anywhere near the basketball jerseys, I might be done with basketball. And I can I can stand it on the football jerseys and the helmets just because it's faded and it's yeah. not real. Cade likes those helmets. Yeah, I, mean, I don't hate them. And it's not real, um, you know, accented and real highlighted. 
But if that was the cursive on, and I know it wasn't because yeah. I saw like you know half of the the cursive writing. You're talking about the lettering being the barbed wire. Yeah, just the lettering, yeah. like the full cowboy cursive Ugh, being the barbed wire. That's disgusting. You, I mean, I woke up with a hot, a sweating. My my <laughs> bed was fully wet, just and just because of sweat, nothing else. Um, and I just thought that could be a possibility, and that was so scary. <sighs> I'm gonna have to uh, take a moment there, and but yeah, my, but A plus. <laughs> yeah, I love the jerseys. A plus for me too. Shorts looked awesome. Like they've done the Curse of Cowboys before with the different shorts. Those throwback shorts were sweet. Hope they wear more. Hope we wear more, and uh, hope every game. Hope we've seen the last of the uh, turquoise jerseys. I I get what they're for. Respect it, but hopefully no more. All right, so I'm gonna do a quick. We play Florida State this Saturday in. The Florida Panthers NHL Stadium. So I'll just do a quick kind of preview there. Florida State or Florida, they Florida State's beaten Florida. That's their one big win. Other than that, they haven't played anybody inside the top 100 for Ken Palm. They've looked really good. All their stats are inflated, but OSU is going to be the first team they've played inside the top 100 besides Florida, and they crushed Florida, mind you. But Oklahoma State's going to have some trouble. They're going to have to work the rebounds. Florida's top 30 in offensive rebounds, total rebounds, or top 25 in scoring offense. Slacked a little on the defensive side, but they shut down teams from three-point, and you know Oklahoma State gets, likes to get three-point happy. They're, they do have a tendency to turn it over, which Oklahoma State has been prone to force turnovers this season. So, Hopefully we'll be able to do that. They've got they've got a guy, Terrence Mann, who could put on a show like Shemet did for Wichita State. You don't want that. He's a 6'6 guard, solid defender. He can handle the ball. Um, they're not huge, though. They play a lot of small ball, a lot of 6'8", 6'7", 6'4", 6'5", guys. Their big 6'4 center has been out uh, since like the third game with a foot injury. He won't be playing. They've got Dikembe Mutombo's nephew, though. Is their Ooh. other big man? Fun he, fact. Yeah, he's only he's only about six nine, but he's their leading rebounder right now. He can he can play down low, but Mitch and Gasan and Sima hopefully are going to have their work cut out for him down there. They don't take a lot of threes. They score a lot of their points in transition. Uh, hopefully, Oklahoma State can force them into taking some long twos. They don't shoot very well from uh, on the two point jumpers and. Really, it's going to be a weird game in an NHL stadium. You know how those games in the NHL and NFL stadiums are always just a little odd. It seems that the shots don't go in. The rims don't show you any love there. But they've got a few shot makers. Um, and Oklahoma State's going to have to play a good game because even though they haven't had that tough of a schedule, I think Florida State's a pretty good team. And when they're able to get active hands and create deflections and play well on defense, they're able to turn it into points on the other end. So... I think Florida State pulls this one out, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be I think it'll come down to the wire for this one for Oklahoma State. I hope they can pull out a win. I just in a weird area in Florida against this Florida State team that's super athletic and rangy, more athletic than Oklahoma State. I just think it's gonna be a tough contest. I haven't watched one second of Florida State basketball. I watched the Florida game. No nothing about them. Is is this arena? I, I'm looking. I'm actually looking it up right now. <laughs> when, when was this arena? Where is this arena? I don't even know. Sunrise, Florida. Okay, is it the original one that the Florida Panthers played in? I I'm not. I, I don't know much about it. It's BB and T Arena. Oh, it is. I, I broke ground. Yeah, ninety six. Oh wait, oh, maybe it's... not. Opened in ninety eight. The reason I ask is because back in the day, used to be a huge Florida Panthers fan. <laughs> back, but whatever. Whenever you did tell me that they were playing in the Florida Panthers arena, whenever they were like an expansion team back in the late '90s, and I think they made they made the Stanley Cup Finals like their second or third year, and that was the year of the rat, and they just would throw the rubber rats <laughs> on on the arena, and it got like out of hand. We should we should do that on Saturday. So that's what I'm leading into is just like we need to get there and no matter well, I guess like no matter what happens, but like if a Florida State guy's about to take a shot, just you're the rat. Just throw a rubber rat at him. 
And I'm pretty sure that'll be accepted in Florida. Like a ref will just be like part of the game, son. <laughs> Alex and I are not condoning throwing things onto the court, but it would be hilarious, and you'd probably make it on barstool. So that I think that's all we have. We actually went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to, uh, but I think we had a lot of good stuff there. Wanted to get a little insight from someone that's not Cater Eye on the football season. Talk a little basketball, but. Kate will be back next week. Alex, uh, where can they follow you on Twitter? I'm not even going to say that. Cause You're not? My last tweet was about like five tweets about the Gaga concert. <laughs> no, oh, no OSU fan. Well, fans. you'll see me tweeting them in the future. Just follow them on there. But you can follow me at, at DustRagu, D-U-S-T-R-A-G-U, and make sure to follow the main account at CowboysRFF. Kate and I will be back with you next week. Go Pokes.